Welcome to Something Crunchy. Tyler is homies with Blake. Blake is the older bro of Blair. Blair is married to Tyler and is a slutty slut slut. Welcome to Something Crunchy. What the hell is crunchy? Welcome to Something Crunchy. Alright, back in the studio with T-Box and a hole in B. Let's put them up. <laughs> Oh my God. Are you serious? Uh, How are we feeling tonight? <laughs> oh, if I were any more charged up, I'd be shooting lightning bolts out of my nipples. <laughs> oh, y'all. It's good stuff. That's good. It's a hot start. That's a hot start. Yeah, I'm pretty yoked for tonight. We are starting off. With some crunch spiracy theories. <laughs> yes, I love that. It's been a while. It has. It's been a while. We are dipping right into fan theories that turn regular movies into horror movies. Love it. Ooh. That's right. It's a mid-season horror-sode. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Crunchtober no. to get scary around here. No, it does not. We needed this. We needed this. We're going to talk about the crop of movies out this year, what's to come. I'm excited. Let's first Love talk it. about some fan theories. So there's a lot of ways to combine two movies, a lot of ways to completely retrain your thinking about what you've seen from a movie that you already know. Oh my God. I want to first start with a popular, more well-known theory, if you will. You may have heard this before. Everyone knows Home Alone. Of course. Oh, yeah. A family comedy it tells a story of a neglected child named Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Verbally abused and abandoned by his cruel family, Kevin turns to torture and maiming of two desperate criminals for entertainment. Hilarious stuff. Sure. But if that premise wasn't already horrifying, journalist Jason Conception of Grantland has made a pretty solid case that Home Alone is actually the supervillain origin story of John Kramer, a.k.a. the Jigsaw Killer from the Saw movies. What? Oh, no. Come Buzz, on. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> Better come down and pound me. Let's discuss a little bit. Whoa. There are, like, some key pieces of evidence in Kevin's tendencies to experience terrifying hallucinations, for one, like the way he did down in the... In the basement with the water heater. Oh, yeah. His okay. fascination with his elderly neighbor, a rumored serial killer. <laughs> his use of recorded media to fool his enemies. Part one and in the sequel, The Talk Boy. You got Boy. 10 seconds to get your no good for flashing. This they, is one. quite the theory. They, they invented a toy just for this kid in that second movie. The Talk Boy had one. Had to have of it. Of course. Thing had to have it. Was it was so cool. And of course, his ability to devise ingenious and often dangerous traps. Traps which, like Jigsaw's slightly more horrifying versions, have to be activated by the victim themselves. There's so much more, including Macaulay Culkin's eventual resemblance to Jigsaw actor Tobin Bell, the viciousness of Kevin's home defense traps, most of which would have caused serious injury and possibly death in real life. <laughs> yeah. And. Harm, you're missing some teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you're missing some teeth. <laughs> There's also a presence of a clown doll in the McAllister's basement, an image possibly embedded in Kevin's tortured psyche, and eventually inspiring Jigsaw's iconic puppet Billy. 
So this maybe is yeah. crazy. Next time watching it, you know, just remember you could be watching the first tentative steps into darkness by a terrifying murderer. Nothing special. Oh my god. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> he did it again in New York City too. Yeah. He's got a thing for torturing people. I mean They came out. I am I am less Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm less of a fan of mixing two movies together. I don't like where one becomes another. We have a couple of those. That's a popular style sure. of fan theory here. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a fan of just completely rearranging your thought. Another, I mean, it is like fun to think about. It, where it's it like, is wow, fun to think like, about. Okay. What if this is the prequel the, to Saw? The one good prequel to movie adaptation that I did like, and it wasn't tied to horror, I did like uh, Ben Affleck's character in Goodwill Hunting, Okay. The- theoried to grow up into the Ben Affleck character of the town, both in Boston, Ooh. bank robber, Whoa. like that. That actually was like, hmm, that could work. Ch- I had to change his identity, like, like made made, made sense. That actually, like, I love how people come up with these theories. <laughs> I know, oh I know, my god, I know. Wish I had a double burger. Conspiracy theories. Let's continue. Yes, this is good. This is a good one here. The terrifying fan theory about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I already believe it. <laughs> that movie's so creepy. I could definitely see there being like just this crazy darkness behind everything. The first one. Exactly. The original film adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a beloved classic. The 2005 Johnny Depp remake, not so, not so much. Not so much. It got weird. It got weird. This is largely due to the deranged but brilliant performance of Gene Wilder. Who was at the height of his off-center comedic powers in 1971. But it's also due to the dark tone of the film. This G-rated movie is full of disturbing moments. It's G? No way. G-rated in 1971. Wow. Oh my god. I'm going to give that a PG-13 now. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. The story makes little effort to redeem the transparently awful children who tour Wonka's magical candy factory, making you cheer when the kids are variously sucked into chocolate sauce plumbing, turned into blueberries, or <laughs> shrunk into microscopic size. Of course, in reality, those events would be horrifying. And in reality, a guy like Willy Wonka wouldn't be allowed within 50 feet of children. Definitely not. But while the movie is freaky enough, we can make it even freakier with a bit of pure imagination. <laughs> <laughs> So you want to turn this dark comedy into a horror film? What if these kids were dead and oh they were God. all being taken through the circles of Dante's hell and deposited in their proper place? That's an interesting thought. What? According to Uproxx via BuzzFeed, there's a fan theory that does just that. Explaining the parallels between Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the classic poem The Inferno by Dante, in which hell is divided into nine circles where different kinds of damned souls reside. Short version, the factory is hell and Wonka is Chiron, the ferryman taking a batch of newly dead kids on a tour and depositing them in the correct circle based on their fundamental sin. If you ever thought there was something like a little creepy about this sugary tale, you're not alone. Many people have speculated that Willy Wonka is actually a calculated murderer who takes his delight in luring the children into his factory, planning out each of their demises. This explains why Wonka is completely unfazed by their various accidents throughout the film. Yeah, he doesn't even seem concerned. He's like, oh... We lost well, another one. Guess that's what happens. Not to mention the Oompa Loompas who are always ready with their prepared song and dance routine as each child faces their fate. 
Talk about a dark twist. Classic kid story. Wow. Your thoughts? And after, like, thinking about, like, how each of them go, and it's because of, like, certain things, like, the kid that goes in the chocolates, it's, like, gluttony or something, you know? It's, like... For sure. Yeah, you could just render that a different color, throw in some Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, and you got seven. It, right? Like... Those, those Train are deadly out kids sins. instead of adults. <laughs> just like, yeah, tell it from a darker the cir- way. The circles of, of hell. That's that's a very dark way of looking at some <laughs> some I'll kids. Certainly some really never look at G rated yeah. programming. Yeah, I still can't believe it's G. But like, I actually <laughs> wow, that blows my mind. <laughs> the scariest part of that theory yeah. was the true fact that that's a G rated movie. <laughs> <laughs> it really blows my mind. <laughs> That's a good conspiracy theory right there. That's a good one. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's move on to Ferris Bueller. What? Okay. Not our beloved Ferris. What did he do? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> He'll Cameron. keep calling. He'll keep calling. Oh. <laughs> I love this. Nine this, times. This is interesting. This is interesting. Yeah? You're going to like this. Okay. Everyone is fond of the Ferris Bueller character. The inflappable, clever teenager who effortlessly trolls authority figures is widely admired by everyone at school and is such a great friend that he organizes a spectacular day for his buddy Cameron in order to snap him out of his depression. What's so scary about all that? Well, believe it or not, there is indeed solid potential for a horror movie lurking underneath this 80s comedy classic. (laughs) As explained by The Wire via The Atlantic, Cameron is a depressed kid dealing with a terrible home life and a father who's implied to be cruel and cold. As a result, Cameron wants to act out but can't. So like the unnamed narrator in Fight Club, he imagines a cool best friend who does all the fun stuff that Cameron can't bring himself to do. Said hallucination comes complete with a pretty and supportive girlfriend, a snazzy wardrobe, and the magical ability to get away with everything. In fact, the theory gets even more grim if you realize that Cameron probably never leaves his room until he ventures out into the garage to destroy his father's prized car. Suddenly, this isn't a lighthearted comedy about facing your fears and growing up. It's a story of a psychologically damaged kid who snaps, has a lengthy breakdown, and possibly even drives his father's prized car off the cliff in the efforts to kill himself. Oh, oh my God. Dark. That is Crate, and then he falls in the pool, and he yes, like, does and all he that. contemplates not coming up. Right. If you follow I mean, this premise, the adventures that take place in the movie are all actually just figments of Cameron's imagination conjured up in his head as he lives I out like dreams this. through his imaginary friend Ferris. Interesting. That is crazy. It's not that insane to like. Like that's a great. I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I like, like it. It's just, it's a movie you've seen a thousand times. It's just a cool way of thinking about it completely differently. Perspective. Except for everybody like knows Ferris and is like. Yeah. Save Ferris. Save Ferris. That's a good one. That is a good one. Blair, what flavor of movie do I just hate more than anything? Musicals. That's correct. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Ding, 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 ding. Tell her what she's won. And what's like the first one did you think of? I'm going to say Grease. That's exactly right. <laughs> God, you're good at this. <laughs> I know you too, well, boy. This, this is a popular one, but it's still one of my favorites because I hate Grease. I really just 
fucking hate it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. It has no nostalgia for me. I, I don't care for Greece. No good. Um, Probably didn't help that I watched it like a million times. That didn't help. <laughs> Did not help. <laughs> didn't help. Did not help. Not Singing gonna lie. Songs, Blake, Sandy was pretty hot though, movie. right? She I hate was. Musicals. Um, Sandy was hot. The only part of the movie I didn't mind was when she was in like the black on black I with knew the black heels and they're like, I mean, who didn't enjoy that? She had her stooge, her hair all poofed, <laughs> perfectly poofed. The old stooge and poof. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Grease is a weird fucking movie. Even in 1978, when the setting was just 20 years in the past, its vision of high school in the 50s and mixed lighthearted humor with some really dark stuff, lines like, did she put up a fight in the song Summer Nights have not aged well. In modern Oh my God, day- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, didn't age well. Not even thinking about mm, that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, you, you guys you she put up a fight. Oh yeah. god. <laughs> no, not after I don't have like out. a weird feeling about the whole yeah. thing. So that, that already punched her real good. So that already stopped wiggling. Put, put to put the dark twist on yeah, that. In, in modern day, creepy. it seems to depict just a wholly alien world to us. On top of all of that, it ends with the two main characters, Sandy and Danny, getting into a hot sports car and flying, flying off, off into the air. That weird ending inspired one of the greatest and most enduring fan theories of all time. <laughs> the theory that the whole story is an Owl Creek Bridge-like death fantasy as Sandy lies dying on a beach somewhere. Pivoting off a line from Summer Nights that Danny sings, I saved her life, she nearly drowned. The theory, as detailed by the Washington Post, suggests that Sandy did indeed drown. And that Danny is a boy trying to resuscitate her while her dying brain hallucinates this world of high school in this fantasy where they wind up as a cute couple. The theory originated on Reddit in 2013 what? and it has spawned some other versions like one that accepts most of the film is real but theorizes that Sandy commits suicide after the Sandra D number. In the last scene where everyone's problems magically disappear and everyone is happy is the hallucination. The common denominator to the theory is that Sandy dies at the beach, whether being saved or drowned by Danny, and evidence is served both at the beginning and at the end of the film. Grease opens with Sandy and Danny meeting at the beach and ends with a final shot of the couple driving up towards the skies in a flying car, signifying Sandy being sent up to heaven. I've got the chills. They're multiplying. I was about to say, (laughs) they're multiplying. That's crazy. Certainly possible. I, di- digest and I know I'm soaking it, it all in and like just going over the whole movie in my head and it's just there's a lot of different parts that kind of like like the whole Frenchie scene like everything kind of like goes into yes. this weird little like, like fantasies very yeah. fantasy yes very dreamlike very and Cha-Cha dreamlike. like in what way is she in high school She she's 37 Cha-Cha is <laughs> minimum 47 she has that four kids that just proves this conspiracy theory like, Cha-Cha was too old to be a chaperone at that, like, at that party <laughs> That, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> she has four kids from three guys. <laughs> She's got kids in this high school. Yeah. <laughs> but there is like a lot that I feel like we could like connect to that theory for sure. It's dark. Yeah. It is, but that, is, I mean, I love these. These are so yeah. good. These are twisted. They're very clever. That that one's creative. I'm loving fans. Y'all are awesome. It may, how else great. do you explain though the car driving off like that was a dumb there was a ending. lot that just like was like i don't a even know what's happening right now like 
Okay. I thought they just didn't have anything else better to say. They're just like, how are we going to end this? I don't know. They just drive off into the into the clouds, into the sunset. We sure. got a bunch of cute songs, and that's all done. <laughs> yeah. How are we going to wrap this whole thing up? I feel like these people are overthinking it. But <laughs> it's not that deep. People aren't that smart. They're just like, yeah, throw it up there. That looks cool. You yeah. can just fly away in the car. It's the fine. end. And perfect ending. There we go. We're still talking about it a long time later. I hate the fucking movie. We're still talking about it. <laughs> I bet you love this theory. Though. I love the theory. Yeah, this makes it almost watchable. Okay. Allow me to forever ruin Finding Nemo for you. Oh, no. Okay. Can I please forever ruin Finding Nemo for our audience here? Yes, and, and, please. And for yeah. you guys? I mean, now you have to ruin it. This is a sad theory. It's sad. It's sad. Sad. Oh, oh no! I told you I was going to ruin it for oh. you. Do you think I was going to give you a? That's already sad. An exciting, ha- happier ending. It's sad for like an hour and forty-five minutes, and it's happy for about eh, six and a half. Let's, ru- <laughs> let's ruin that. <laughs> that six and a half is going down the drain. I want path. that six and a half back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got? If you remember the film's opening scene, Marlon wakes yes. up from a barracuda attack on his family to find that only one of his eggs. Nemo survived. Yeah, so sad. One theory suggests that the grieving father only imagined that one of his sons survived, which means that Nemo wasn't actually real and is only a figment of Marlin's imagination conjured up to cope with his loss of his family. Following this theory, the entire movie is an allegory of a father's journey through the five stages of grief, oh. as many fans suggest. <laughs> cry. And the kicker, Nemo, actually means nobody in Latin. I just got chills. That's the other side of the coin. Like they're showing you one side because it's Disney. But the other side that you don't see. But you know Disney always has some sort of weird little. They'll they'll like peek to the other side. They will definitely show you the other negative side of that coin every once in a while. But they don't flip it over. I have to watch it again just so I can like. That's crazy. Ruined. Totally. It's absolutely ruined. (laughs) Never never can think of it again. Just ruined. That six and a half minutes oh of God, happiness. Oh my God, Blake. Yeah. I'm sorry. My heart is broken. I, know. <laughs> I can't continue. <laughs> I can't continue. We're going to watch like our kids watching Finding Nemo and be like, oh, we're looking at Nemo. We're like, Tyler and I are going to be back here crying. Like, he doesn't even exist. Yeah, that little fucker doesn't even exist. <laughs> Latin for nobody. <laughs> Learn your words. <laughs> this Latin for I'll be in the car. Oh my gosh. That makes sense that Nemo would have a friend, Dory, who doesn't have any clue, like, what's going on with him or with what's going, like. You can piece it together. It's just an interesting way to watch the movie in a completely different way. The five stages of grief and, like, oh. Gotta love a good conspiracy theory. And this one. was tasty. This one's probably the best one. No way. It gets better? I love this right here. What? This is is interesting. No, this isn't. Can sad. we get creepy again? Let, let's get this, this is happy. Let's, let's get talky. Ooh, I want to talk about this one. Right. I want to know if you believe that this is what they were intentionally trying to do because this is almost like okay, okay. You're into it. Let's talk about the briefcase that turns Pulp Fiction into a genuine <gasps> horror film. Yeah, Ooh, I love it yes. already. Let's talk about the briefcase. Yes. What's in the briefcase? What is in? The fucking briefcase. It's yellow. They never show you. And so it won't. I think it's it, like gold. They, they want you to believe. No, gold doesn't glow like that. No. If a gold with, with a light in the briefcase 
Well, no. they make you want to think it's like a prize. It's, it's like a prize. It's something special. Very special. And it's something that Marcellus Wallace wants, wants badly. Yes. yes. Perhaps one of the oldest and most widely circulated fan theories involves Quentin Tarantino's second film, Pulp Fiction. While the film depicts a highly stylized world of gangsters, oddballs, and petty criminals, it's all rooted in a fairly realistic presentation, except for one small detail, the briefcase. Sure, it's a MacGuffin that Jules and Vincent retrieve from Brett's apartment on behalf of their boss, Marcellus Wallace, but what the hell is inside of the briefcase that glows with a heavenly light and justifies murdering several people in cold blood? One theory suggests that the briefcase contains Marcellus's immortal soul. Yes, his actual soul, as in the thing that you sell to the devil. Evidence for this includes the band-aid on the back of Marcellus's head, which correlates to the biblical text that says the devil steals your soul from the back of your head. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And if you notice, the combination to the briefcase is... 666. And of course, the weird glow. The fact that the theory ties into the film's themes of fate, morality, and choice lends some weight to it, as does the series of inexplicable events that occur in proximity to the briefcase, like the way every bullet misses Jules in Brett's apartment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Happened around the briefcase. Many fans theorize that the briefcase, chased down and retrieved by the hitman, contains the soul of Marcellus Wallace, who had previously sold his soul to the devil. That makes that story. I'm speechless. Like, yeah, that. It's got to be it. It has to be it. After I like it. After is, hearing that, I can't think that it's anything else. Has anybody ever nothing asked Nothing else has been, like, nothing explained. Else ma- nothing else makes sense. Well, Quint- Quentin would never, ever no. ruin the, the lure in the question Just of like, it. oh, it's nothing. Or it's if, this if he or answers it's that. that question, it's done. But it, the like, he, it's wants like a no. the he wants the theory. You don't do something like that and not. They never explained the band aid on the back of his neck. No. And there is a shot. Like, it only shows we, we the all, back of his head. We all remember band-aid. it. Like, we absolutely. all remember it. And, it's, and like, you don't even see his face. You're sitting there looking at the band aid the whole time he's talking. Wow. Like, after you like swallow that, let it digest, marinate it for a little bit. Like that's the truth. I, I can't think of it being not that really. No, that, that's a good one because that's like okay. And with the briefcase combination and all those things, like the shit that happens in proximity to the briefcase, the gunshots, the I mean, and everything that you're saying is like that is pretty crazy. And things that they didn't explain, like they tried to explain the gunshots and they tried to make it like a a thing, like, a, like a, a religious Jackson conversation. Right. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Like, there's just a lot that, like, hmm, makes sense. That motherfucker had a hand cannon. Say what one more <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I, like, can't wait to watch this again just so I can, like... I mean, again, nothing else has been explained for what the briefcase is, so, like... I think fast. I talk fast. Pretty please. <laughs> cherry on top. Clean the fucking car. <laughs> Clean the fucking car. <laughs> This is some biblical shit. <laughs> I, I'm into that theory. Yeah. I'm, I believe I'm, it. I'm subscribing to that one. I believe it. So we went from like, I think my favorite theory. Let's talk about my least favorite theory. <laughs> okay. This one had to be brought up because like so many people fucking talk about this, but this is stupid as hell. This ruins not one, but two things for me. It's trying to do a combination of things. 
<laughs> someone tried to <sighs> just so, love the disgust. So, someone's trying to like fuck with Fight Club. Oh, I mean, there's you so knew that many was gonna things. happen. That, I, I feel like that whole movie is left up to it is interpretation. A theory. The whole thing is conspiracy theory. Sure, the movie's biggest plot twist is that Tyler isn't actually real and is in fact a narrator's hallucination. But what if an even bigger twist is that the two characters are actually Calvin and Hobbes from oh the famous my beloved God. comic? You did not just say that. According to a hypothesis, a young Calvin who used to create an imaginary friend out of his stuffed tiger grows up to be none other than the narrator. He's unnamed after all. I can't even take this seriously. Who reimagines his childhood friend as Tyler. The roots of their secretive men only fight club. The exclusive boys only club in Calvin and Hobbes. Gross. Get rid of slimy <laughs> girls that they created as children. Gross. <laughs> G-R-O-S-S. I hate this theory. I didn't even want to bring it up. I couldn't love it more. You love it? I what? love it so much. I think we're lesser of a podcast for even addressing it. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be ashamed of us for even saying Tyler's it. all over hear it. me out. I want to I hear you I love Calvin out. and Hobbes and I love Fight Club. The two... I don't see how any any S- correlation. Sell this to me. Yeah, please. I want to hear. Here's hear what you're thinking. Here's my argument. Okay, take any former video game, any kind of a you know cartoon that was ever alive and big when you were a kid that you loved, and turned into a movie. They all sucked. Tell me. Calvin and Hobbes turned into Fight Club as the live action narration of that movie. How amazing is that? I will that say that could be the best movie ever made. I do love Calvin and Hobbes. Absolutely. Blair. I know. Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah. Fucking Calvin and Hobbes. Of course. Calvin and Hobbes. We Calvin had Hobbes. all of the, like. In Fight Club. I love Fight Club just like the rest of them. Of uh-huh. course. They're not related. There's no correlation. It's a classic tale of imaginary friend syndrome. I prefer the Ferris Bueller imaginary friend <laughs> situation. <laughs> I thought this was a stretch. I, I, I think it's I, a stretch. I had to bring it up because it. there's a lot of like, people that like it. Saying. Here's another there's a lot argument. Of people that like it. This is what you get when you have an imaginary friend and you're an only child. Still not buying it. I love it. Are you just saying that because you can relate to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see it from that angle. And I was like, oh, I was yeah, like, no shit. like yeah. I see that. I see it. Like, I don't know. I think that's a reach. I'm not into it. I mean, I again love the creativity that people like yeah. put into it to like and, test some of these theories. And it just occurred to me right now that that does not make Fight Club a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. No. By adding Calvin and Hobbes. It just makes Calvin and Hobbes a horror story. That's okay. That's what it is. It's not making Fight Club a horror movie. It's making Calvin Calvin and Hobbes Hobbes the prequel to like, okay, good job, Blair. Good save. Thank you. I know we got Blair around here for something. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it every now and then. Gotta keep a Blair on hand (laughs) for situations just like this. Sweet nugget of truth every (laughs) once in a while. So we uh, have my moments. <laughs> we destroyed Finding Nemo for everybody. Yeah, definitely. That was, that was a good time. Forever. That was Completely a good. That was a good time. Sorry, everyone. Enjoy that one. Is don't tell your on kids. The tube. Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, according to this fan theory, the Toy Story franchise is pure nightmare fuel. Watching Toy Story again, it has some like creepy ass moments. Let's, All of them. All four. This is gonna get a little weird. Okay. 
Because we haven't gotten weird yet. So let's definitely yeah. get weird now. It's strange. This is going to get a little weird. The Toy Story films somehow combine the very chilling idea of toys coming to life whenever you're not looking mm-hmm. with the sort of emotional gut punches usually reserved for films about losing people to terminal illnesses. But what happens if you start overthinking the metaphysics of how exactly those toys animate? Well, according to Digital Spy, there's one fan theory that turns this animated flick into a straight-up horror movie (laughs) that threatens to destroy everyone's inner child. As the theory goes, what if the toys are actually immortal vampire-like creatures that live off of children's joy? Aside from the fact that Immortal Joy Vampires is a cool band name. (laughs) This idea transforms (laughs) the films into terrifying stories of tiny plastic vampires literally draining happiness from your children and then doing it again to other kids because they're immortal. And if this isn't horrifying enough for you, there's another fan theory that's even worse. I prefer this one, to be honest. If the toys aren't immortal, then they're mortal. If they're mortal, they can die. But since you never see the toys being sentient and alive, you wouldn't know if they died. Therefore, your kids might literally be playing with a toy corpse right now. Just a fun little thought. <laughs> you know, it is, it's always been creepy to me since I was like a kid that toys would like come to life when you're not looking at them or when you're asleep. Like I'd have like Puppet mom master. put all those like dolls in my room, like above my bed on the shelf. And Look I would just like you at night. You had a freak. creepy room out i had a fun room i had a very inviting fun room stare at me and i'm like they're all alive right now like when i'm like you had a dollhouse and didn't play with dolls you had like the creepy little figurines that would look down upon you from your your shelf up there and that concept has always freaked me out like thinking (laughs) that they're just like alive doing all these things when i'm asleep or like walking out of the room they just have this like whole thing going on i mean immortal or playing with like (laughs) Toy, toy corpses corpse doll or something it's a little chucky but i see some christmas ornaments that come alive at night <laughs> have you <laughs> those weird creepy fucking elves that mom seems to put out in, in recent years elf on the shelf she puts these weird fucking little elf oh, doll no. things oh, in the tree oh just oh yes these just creepy little elves and yeah they come alive at night they haunt your dreams. <laughs> I think dolls in general just have like a creepy undertone to them because it's just like hard to understand. Like their eyes flap around yeah. and you're just like don't trust. Them. I think it brings me back to the whole Furby situation that just like if the eyelashes started work, my whole nightmares. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah, I swore my Furby was alive. Like I took the batteries out, shut that, that thing back in my closet, and all of a sudden it would still just like talk to me. And I'm like, but like I, it's got to get out of the house. That was the creepiest toy I've ever seen in my life. And it's just like, I mean, if you wrap that around all dolls and all other things, like that's like, it's creepy. Let's talk about another. I like it. Mix mash. I definitely believe in that one. Matilda. Oh no, please don't ruin (laughs) Matilda for me. (laughs) Ronald Dahl brought a deep vein of darkness to many of his children's stories. And Matilda is no exception. The same goes for the 1996 movie. In the film, Matilda's parents treat her horribly, and her headmistress, Miss Trunchbull, tortures her students and then gaslights them with insane punishments, which their parents don't believe are real. pretty fucked up. The only source of comfort for Matilda is her teacher, Miss Honey, Honey, who also is a victim of Trunchbull's malice. 
Matilda is able to get her revenge when she develops the power of telekinesis, which she uses to torture Miss Trunchbull, trying to drive her away. So yeah, it's disturbing, but where's the horror movie? According to Screen Geek, there's a fan theory that turns this into a horror prequel. What if Matilda and her adoptive mother, Miss Honey, moved to New England, where Miss Honey's years of poverty and suffering curdle into religious mania? Perhaps in order to escape their past, they changed their name to White. And Matilda retreats into books in her own imagination as her home life descends into something darker than before. Just as Matilda's powers emerged when she needed them in childhood, they emerge again when she reaches a breaking point in high school. Except this time, there's a much higher body count. Yeah, they're thinking Matilda is a setup for Carrie, which definitely makes this kid's film even more disturbing. Oh my god. (laughs) My brain's still trying to just like put it all together. Not a fan. I don't That's like a the, huge I, I don't like Calvin becoming Fight Club. I don't like um, Matilda, Matilda becoming Carrie. Carrie. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really. I, I could see it. I like that part. Like I could see how it. That's they a dark could, ass twist. It's it's a deep stretch to it, but I don't uh, I don't hate it. You don't hate it? <laughs> no, no, because she probably got you know sick of using her powers for good and get she probably shit was on her like whole fucked up after all the shit, like having yeah. the, like shit family life. It doesn't matter who your parents are later on in life; it's the formidable years that really count. That's right. You know, so she can only probably, be locked up in the chokey so many times before you just lose the. Yeah. I mean, you could defend the argument by saying it's the same powers that Matilda and Carrie are using. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very similar. Thing. The same powers. Just one's for good, one's for not. I just don't see Miss Honey like turning uber religious and. No, and Miss Honey was like the savior of the situation. Like. And there was like a background story savior. of like her. Savior. You said it. Religious savior. <laughs> She's going down that road. Mm. If I just. You cracked what the case. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> so many movies have completely changed for me tonight. That one was for you. This one is for you. Does the devil show up in Groundhog Day? What? <laughs> Groundhog Day? Oh, yeah. He gets dark there for a little bit after he's like died four or five times and then he just starts killing himself yeah. hard oh, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah, oh, for I sure. Guess, I guess that is The true. film Groundhog Day is so genius that it's become a genre all on its own. Any film involving an endlessly repeated experience someone has had to break out of is instantly compared to the original. But the film has got a dark side to it. Phil Connors... Phil, Phil, (laughs) portrayed by Bill Murray, isn't a nice guy. Also, at his lowest point, while trapped in a titular loop, he attempts suicide multiple times. Yeah. But the ending is bright and cheery as Phil learns to be a better person while finding love and freedom. But that film theory via the AV Club offers a bizarre idea that makes the classic a stone-cold chiller. Ned Ryerson. The annoying insurance salesman who recognizes Phil is actually the devil. Mm -hmm. And he wants Phil's immortal soul. Phil's life seems just fine until he turns down Ned's initial request to buy an insurance policy. Yep. From that point on, Phil is tortured by the unending time loop. And Ned keeps popping up. His aggressive approach more and more sinister each time. Finally, 
After being completely broken by his torturous existence, Phil buys every insurance policy Ned has to offer, and he's instantly rewarded with his heart's desire. Did he just sell his soul to escape a devil-made purgatory, making his happy ending just a mere trick? Oh my god, I kind of like this. Believable. Believable. Yep. Ned Ryerson. He looks like the oh devil. Oh my god, that is Phil? insane. Phil Connors? <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I really like don't hate that I don't at hate all. it. I don't hate it. I liked when he punched him in the face. <laughs> I mean, especially how you explained it, how he like eventually like, got all the insurance and then like everything changed where it's like. I mean, it all started with Ned and it ended, and it ended with Ned. Ended. I never put those two Me together. Neither. I never thought Nobody that thought Ned was just that was the, thing the most that important character it. of it all. And he keeps coming in to, he, he's always a part of it. He's each, always Each there. time it's a little more aggressive. And he says no, 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 no. And finally the one does, time he does say yes. Everything. So all yeah. it takes is <gasps> a li- little mm. life insurance policy, y'all, and you'll I be perfect after it. that. I like that these are all for movies that like you have seen so many times and, yes. and that are on TV constantly and that you will see so that you'll have the opportunity to be like, oh yeah. Yeah. I look forward to when you're sitting with your friend next time and going, oh yeah, Ned Ryerson, he's a devil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you haven't heard Death Theory? <laughs> I can't actually wait to see it again because I feel like it's it's definitely an interesting way to look at the movie again. <laughs> and again, I don't hate it. Don't hate it. Shawshank Redemption. Oh man. It's a horror movie about a murderous mastermind. Mm-hmm. The Shawshank Redemption is a great movie about a wrongfully accused man who maintains his dignity and compassion despite years of abuse and confinement at the hands of a corrupt warden. Or it's a dark story of a master manipulator who murders several people, brainwashes his fellow inmates, destroys many lives, and vanishes into the wind like Kaiser Sose. According to Inverse, there's one fan theory out there that rests on the fact that everything we know about Andy's actions, motives, and thoughts is told to us by Red, the narrator. So if Andy lies to Red and fools him, how would we know? If you watch the film with the idea that Andy is a coldly calculating sociopath, everything comes together. This is a man who spends decades plotting an escape that brilliantly takes down everyone who's treated him badly. A man who effortlessly creates a false identity yes. while stuck in prison yes. and successfully tricks the warden in trusting him. He's a killer. And if narrated by Andy's character, could play as a decent horror film. This is interesting. I don't know, because in a way I can kind of see it. I mean, he does do all those things where yeah. that typically like would not. There's a lot of smart people in prison that don't end up Getting to like work for the warden and being trusted like that. And... For sure. Okay. So there's a pretty dark theory about Winnie the Pooh. This one was actually pretty interesting. Winnie the Pooh? This one, actually kind of interesting. Apparently, the characters are actually representations of mental disorders. An article diagnosed each of the central characters with a different psychological disorder. Pooh has ADHD, OCD, <laughs> and other impulsive tendencies. Eeyore is clinically depressed. Yeah. Piglet has generalized anxiety disorder. <laughs> Owl is dyslexic. And Digger has ADHD. Christopher Robin is schizophrenic, and the other characters are manifestations of his own imagination. 
The different animals represent Christopher's own struggles as a child learning to function socially and interact with the outside world. This theory kind of makes sense. We have. That should be well received. <laughs> like, like I mean, it is kind of true. When I you don't like, break down each it. of the characters and you see like what all their... Yeah. <laughs> like if Eeyore you, is like always depressed. And... If you think of it in that light, it's kind of like... That's why it oh, works. Yeah. That's exactly why it works. You're like... Because well, like, it's relatable in some sort of way. That I hated kind of like, Winnie the Pooh. Like I didn't find any of those characters interesting. We actually didn't at watch all. Winnie the Pooh. That I liked Tigger, and I don't know why. I didn't like Tigger because Tigger he was, was okay. He was cute, and he had energy. Everybody else kind of just the like, most positive one. Yeah, everybody I mean, else Pooh was dragged positive. me down. No, the, the, even, no, oh, Pooh. Oh like, yeah, that's he, true. He the way he talked. Eeyore was even worse. Oh, terrible. And Piglet, Piglet had always had something Piglet. going on. Zero Piglet. confidence in Piglet. Just, there was just nothing That's true. About Tigger Piglet. would at least like come and bring the energy and hop on along and have some sort of something to bring to it. Yeah. I think it makes it more interesting because those characters didn't do anything for me before. And now it's like, oh. Christopher Robin was a there. sweet lad. He had a lot going on. He had a lot going on. They've made a lot of different... Um, like movies even based off this concept which kind of does like when they do it more into like with the real people and of them like making the books or the movies and all those things like yeah it's kind of an interesting take i mean that's not too far off and again books are made and characters are made because of like either real life feelings they come from somewhere yeah some sort of root of something characters are inspired by something absolutely absolutely animal farm like yeah exactly Aladdin. I want to end on no, Aladdin. It's another Disney, so you know it can have a weird. I just wanted. Twist. To, I wanted it's gonna be a lot of negative. I wanted to end on this one. <laughs> a lot of negative. And, and this one was, I don't know. This is an interesting thought. Once heard a theory that this film is actually set in a desolate wasteland future after a catastrophic nuclear war, rather than in the past. Okay. The post-apocalyptic theory comes huh. from the genie's reference to Aladdin's fashion and how he's been trapped in his lamp for 10,000 years. That would date Aladdin to the year 10,300 at the earliest. There's also genie's references to 20th century, and while it's a bit of a stretch, the Sega Genesis Aladdin game from 1993 <laughs> also features an unexploded atomic bomb in tattered stop signs. What? That shouldn't support an argument I at don't all. See it. Yeah, but yet it's the only thing that's making me like, well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not into it. Never I'm put, not feeling never that. Never put one those as much. two together. I think this was just clearly one that was like someone's it. thinking it too much. Like, yeah. yeah. They're using the references. They it was just you're looking too hard in the writing. If you're not enjoying the like Somebody just the, dirt, the dirty things Disney put in there. You're not, yeah, you're not watching for, the movie the right look way. Look for the different yeah. things in the songs. Look for the, the boners the, yes. and like the all cute girls <laughs> take off your clothes. Yes. Sex written on in the, the balconies. Yes. The, yeah. Yes. That's what we need. <laughs> Think more sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Have a lot more fun with it. Yeah. You'll, you'll understand Disney more. Yeah. The sexier you think. Yeah. Which that still blows my mind. All the sexual innuendos and all the Disney Oh, those movies. are fun. We'll go over those as a entirety. That's like its own segment. It should be for anyone that doesn't. I feel like most know. And yeah. So it's just like a collection of remember those. I was so into it when we first heard. And I was like pretty mm. young still watching Disney movies when we were all staying down. And like another family told all us about it. All of a sudden those we Disney like, movies you had what? in the closet. I was like. Yeah, we got to go through all them. of them. <laughs> and yeah, Blake was all of a sudden into watching them again. <laughs> all started with the Wizard of Oz and the, the dwarf that was rumored to have like oh, committed suicide. 
right in the forest. Mm-hmm. Like all started with that, and then it yeah. went downhill. Yeah, starts a nasty obsession. Not good for a kid. The Little Mermaid penis buildings and boners and all the things. Some of those theories, pretty far fetched. Yeah. Some, some of, of them you, some I of them really were good. like. You like, can, yeah, you can see it in some of the. Tell the me some scenes. of the ones that have stuck with you that like. Okay, I smell that. I looked for the Lion King one. I think I saw it only on a screenshot online. I, I couldn't find it oh, live. No. You're talking oh, about for, the, yeah. for conspiracy theory. I'm still thinking about Ferris Bueller. Oh, I which, mean Ferris Bueller. That's that's the one that sticks with me the most. I feel like just because I'm like. I don't know. In the like Willy Cameron Wonka does one have too. Like such pretty... like, oh, I definitely believe the Willy Wonka one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even the, though that's like a very insane. Way I feel of that is a totally it. more interesting way of watching Ferris Bueller's thinking that like, he Willy is Wonka. You know, character. there's like weird undertones there that like go back to something. But like, I just keep thinking about Ferris. I'm like, is the, he imaginary? <laughs> the one, the one thing I don't like about that theory though for Ferris Bueller is that. He's the main character. That's not like everybody knows him, says his the name, the whole role movie. The end with Ferris. With Ferris. Everybody's like... But he's probably one of the first you know, people to break the fourth wall. It's true. So maybe he's not actually there. So, you know, that... But how is he the most popular kid in school? He's everything Cameron is not. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, in putting it that way, and again, like, replaying... What happens with Cameron during the movie definitely like it sticks. Now, is this what John Hughes was going for when he put this out? No, hell no, definitely not. Absolutely not. No, but yeah. interesting to think about for sure. But after you've gotten oh, and I definitely bored. believe Toy Story also. Yeah. <laughs> Toy you Story. know, I believe that. You think John Hughes wrote the Tao of Ferris? No, <laughs> this isn't like a philosophical guide to life. This is just a funny. I, I like the Grease one too. It's an, it's an oldie, but, but a goodie. You know what? Especially with the whole ending and all the weird different, like... I mean, I know with musicals, they, like, go into some sort of, like, fantasy thing for a second. But Grease, like, that, again, like, I don't hate that either. Makes no. the movie better. <laughs> yeah. Blake again. Yeah, better. Blake right would now? agree You're with right that. right about that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Enjoying something crunchy? Follow us on social media and tweet us your comments and questions at crunch underscore cast. We encourage you to participate and thank you for listening. And we're back. <laughs> Pulp that was fiction has got me. Thinking. I know my mind is still but in Groundhog Day. Yeah, that's good. The Pulp Fiction one was. I know. The topic of conversation sure. during the break. Yeah. Can somebody call Quentin? And just, like, just confirm like, like, how close we are we? Know. We gotta those. know. The fans did good on those theories. Some, one, of the, some of those I was really into. One blink for yes, two blinks for no. Yeah, we won't say anything. It's fine. Well, there's been a lot of horror movies out. We got to talk about those 2020 horror movies. Um, seen I'm a couple. I'm not too impressed <laughs> with uh, this first crop. Uh uh-uh. uh. I didn't say there were good horror movies out, I, I but there like, are some horror movies. Some were better than others. I set a high bar for we horror. Like you got to like really high seriously bar. disturb me. Like I don't like the poppy. Like oh no, like scary. Like mm-hmm. you need to fuck with my head to yeah. like exactly. I need to be really nauseous by the end. Yeah. Yes. Sweaty. And there's like maybe like one that like actually kind of got in there. I'm sick of some of these just stupid cookie cutter. Like, let's just throw it out there. I'm sure like, we'll make our money back. Already been done. We'll throw just a couple of like big names bullshit. in there. Just like the turning. 
let's talk about The Turning, okay. our, our first movie. I haven't seen this one, yeah. <laughs> this was like a modern take on a 19th century novel, The Turning of the Screw by Henry James. Turning, uh, it does have the Mackenzie Davis, who I like a lot, Finn Wolfhard, who does a good job. He's good. And Brooklyn Prince, they play these creepy kids. Oh, the kids. Yes. yes. It's about an inexperienced nanny who takes a job watching two creepy kids in a huge yes. spooky house. The script comes from the Conjuring writers, Chad and Carrie Hayes, and I'm, I'm just, just nothing new. I'm, I'm not a fan of of the Conjuring universe. I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of of all that. I thought it was very mm. meh. Okay. It was just all right. And the turning was. I'm done. I'm done talking about. It. Was it quick? At least it was an hour and thirty six minutes. Yeah. Okay, good. At least it wasn't two and a half hours. You're just like I just wasted I can't, so much of my life. I can't stand those when they build you up. They build you up. They build you up, and then it just ends. No ending. No ending. Out no. of nowhere. You spent the entire night watching it. Like what the fuck are we doing here? It's two in the morning. I've been up all fucking night. Give me the payoff. <laughs> Give me the payoff. Exactly. I know you guys have some thoughts. Let's talk about uh, Michael Jalapeno. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island was all right. Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. This Interesting. Is, now this was a horror twist on a television show. It was almost a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like And so it was almost insane. a good movie. It was almost all right. <laughs> was, I think you put it the best way to describe it. I thought that like when I was like, okay, yeah, you guys will like this. It's kind of like, uh, it's got the vibe of Club Dread, but it doesn't take itself as seriously. And it's kind of like the vibe yes. that, that you get. Um, Very much so. It takes itself more seriously, right? There's a fun group yeah, of people. Yeah, it takes itself more seriously. And... I mean, I, I like the concept, and at first I was like, oh, this is really cool, and then you realize that has, like, nothing to do with your fantasy, like, at all. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I mean, it was entertaining, that's for sure. It I mean, was. I was like... I like the cast. I wanted to the, see the what happened. Portia Doubleday, like, Lucy Hale, Michael Pena, um, the enigmatic Mr. Rourke makes the secret dreams of his lucky guests come true at a luxurious but remote tropical resort. But when the fantasies turn into nightmares, the guests have to solve the island's mystery in order to escape with their lives. Um, I will say I just absolutely hated the big twist at the very end that everyone saw coming. Oh, we, yeah. we, won't, yeah. we won't ruin it. I won't do the spoiler alert. But I mean, You saw it coming for sure. You casted the smallest Asian you could find in his <laughs> nickname, which you said twice was T. Yeah. It, it it wasn't the big. Oh my god! No way! I did love that Michael Pena was like the lead guy, and without him, he had my interest. Like it, I loved it. I wouldn't have watched it because of that, at least. Yeah, he'll he'll bring you in. Mm-hmm. And it I just wanted okay. to see him in just like a different role. Like it was just fun to see him. A lot of these movies know they only need to get like that one person to where you watch it, and that's happened to me multiple times but this did have a lot of people that like i did like like it, it, that and one, it was kind of fun that one too. had like, it a was, full cast there was yeah. laughs there it was did. like but most of these like there's so many examples where it's like again the ending was elijah wood yeah un- i'll watch something with him nicholas cage yeah, yeah, yeah check of that course. out for sure for, yeah like there's a there's a lot of those and they're all bricks they're just putting up brick after brick so, no, some of them were some of them were not that's what that's what we're here to determine yeah <laughs> The Invisible Man, everyone fucking loves The Invisible Man. To say that this is the number one horror movie of 2020 says that we've had kind of a lousy crop of horror yeah, movies so far in 2020. Yeah, but again, it was entertaining to me. Like, you know, 
it wasn't a bad movie. Yeah. Especially it, thinking it, it was right. like it was basically just going to be Hollow Man. And yeah. it's like, oh, it wasn't. Okay. It was <laughs> the only one of these movies really where there were a couple of parts where I'm like nodding my head like, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought Kevin Bacon was going to pop in just for like a quick cameo and give you a <laughs> wink and pop out there. But he never did. So. Remember me? Hey. hey <laughs> you guys have seen this movie before. No, I thought it was well just done. Just like a little knock, knock, foot loose. And then out. <laughs> Especially when I love like futuristic like horror to it. Like that mm-hmm. was kind of crazy. But A woman is stalked and tormented by her abusive ex. Only no one can see him. No one believes that he is still alive. Putting his spin on a character originally created by H.G. Wells... Lee Winnell has written and directed The Invisible Man, which stars Elizabeth Moss and Oliver Jackson Cohen. A tour de force in horror over 15 years, Winnell is primarily known as the architect of the Saw and Insidious franchises. And you could tell that it had some... Saw-like yeah. tendencies. Yeah, when it had... Uh, it had some teeth, like there was some experience behind for sure. the camera. Again, that's what made horror. it like well done. That was interesting. It was shot cool. I liked, I mean, I love Elizabeth Moss, so I was intrigued by that. And then mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a cool way to do it. It was a cool way to do it. It, it was be- the house was awesome. It was better I mean, than I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. Yeah. Definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Easy watch. That's one that everyone I feel has seen and is certainly a horror movie. This one is on like every horror movie list. And I feel everyone has seen it. For the most part, including the three of us, let's talk about Swallow. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I don't of... see this being a horror Swallow movie. Swallow sucks. First of all, yeah, e- even though it's on multiple lists, this is not a horror movie. Let me just tell you how tough it was to be pregnant watching that movie. Um, let me tell you, good luck searching for Swallow if you're going to download it. It only takes about 30 pages of porn before you find <laughs> the feature presentation. <laughs> Oh my god! Very oh my god, hard that's to find. So hilarious! It had to be like swallow <laughs> film. No, nope. oh and my like, god! There's twenty twenty. I literally those. typed in swallow twenty twenty and Not got porn. thirty pages of porn. <laughs> I was like, geez, if I just typed in swallow without the year, who knew? Oh my god! Kill oh swallows. my god! <laughs> <laughs> and the Jennifer Lawrence doppelganger that was pretty distracting oh, as well. Tyler and I like it. Took us like an hour and ha- the whole movie was like an hour and thirty six and an hour and a half. They were like, Haley Bennett really Lawrence? isn't related to Jennifer Lawrence. I like, think thirty minutes into it, I turned to Blair and I was like, "What's up with, <laughs> with Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence's Lawrence. eyes? Like, why does she keep making that face? <laughs> like, it's not bad. We were just both staring at her. Like, it's just a little distracting. Why she? Keep I know making I'm a little cheese, but that is Katniss Everdeen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, they call it a darkly funny and quietly creepy story of an ostensibly happy housewife who suddenly decides on a new hobby. She's going to start swallowing small household objects. This offbeat, unpredictable, and visually impressive fable is anchored by a powerhouse lead performance by Haley Bennett, Jennifer Lawrence. Haley <laughs> Bennett, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> um... Yeah, she, it wasn't uh, a powerhouse of anything. It wasn't a horror movie. It was hardly watchable. No, it, I was into the premise, and it just didn't get where I wanted it to go. And I was waiting for the happened. horror to come in. I mean, and it no just kind of hit like a. It was like an intense drama. 
It was an intense drama, and then it the, ended the, with there wasn't some that intense weird stuff, and like it's weird. just again what? sad, slow, weird, sad. no ending. Make sad, an ending, slow, people. Just sad. make an ending. You just gotta end, have an ending. You have to end it somehow. Yeah, that ending. Tyler and I, after watching that whole thing, just look at each other. We're like, that's it. Are you shitting me? That's you, the ending. Even our synthetic sequels that come with a paragraph synopsis still have an ending have to an it. Have an ending. <laughs> come on. Beginning, middle, no, that end. was a tough one. That was a tough one. Get in fucking line, people. It wasn't Come a on. horror movie. The only reason why we're even talking about it is because it's on everyone's list of like 20, 20 horror movies, and it's like high up on the list, like of the ones that were like ranked. Didn't it get ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes? It oh my did. god! I was looking at that Tyler's ninety percent. Ninety percent. That that's not true. That means ninety percent of the people in this world have zero taste. In no, movies. that's Rotten Tomatoes. The users, I think, was maybe a little bit lost. Oh, that's the it means staff. N- There's like a different. Oh, okay, not rating okay. for people that have actually seen it. I believe people. Like, there's not enough people who've seen it and voted to make a realistic. But again, like, that was based on. Four I've seen votes. like yeah. My Strange Addiction <laughs> on like TLC, so I feel like that was just like a more yeah, intense ju- drama yeah. movie version. And I've of seen it. I'm crazier like, where... half episodes of. My strange addiction, like Which it I was, c- yeah, it was okay, yeah. Again, it just cool. kind of put more of like a sad feeling on it yeah. than anything. Where it's just remember like, that girl that ate her mattress? That stuff had a better ate, ending like, than this movie. And, like, you watched her girl. mattress, she got better. She spent ten minutes trying to dig a marble out of her poop, and you're like, this isn't fish. She's squeezing where, the cheese, looking where, for the tink tink. Where's tink. where's the whore? That's what I was wondering. It's like, how is this place in the horror section? Let's get back into horror. We've mentioned it. Let's talk about the hunt. Yeah. Betty <laughs> Betty Gilpin. Yeah, I mean, she was great. She's great. Hillary That's Swank. That's the blonde, right? That's the blonde. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Hillary Swank. Yeah. Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank did great. Like she again, entertaining. Dusted off her old karate gi for That's this one. Right. The next kid. <laughs> Dust off. She got out there and started swinging that roundhouse Channeled house her again. inner Miyagi for this one. I almost forgot about her. She was hot in this again. She's you, looking good. You liked a you liked a swank in the next generation. I like to get swanky. You were. Uh, she was smart. She was smart. Yeah. Now I liked again. I had no idea what to expect when watching the hunt, and then again, like. It was just, it kept my attention the whole time. Yeah. It was like, don't, go, don't go, fall, go. Don't fall in love with any character. And it no, started and it kept that's going. What, that was hilarious. Like, oh my God, I love them. Don. <laughs> oh my God, I love them too. Don Oh, they're like, in this too. Yeah, he was in that Guess they're not the main character. I didn't, yeah, what is I didn't this know about? who the movie what was about. Yeah. I didn't know like the main character. Well, the, but we kept watching and was like full attention the entire way through. Sure. Like, we're into it. The socio-political commentary of this movie may be all over the place. It isn't intentional otherwise, but it's fast-paced, frequently shocking piece of action horror mayhem. And there's a good deal of dark fun to be found there. A little bit more of a contemporary take on the classic most dangerous game, the man-hunting-man premise. But here it's presented with a good deal of energy, color, and intensity. I, yeah. feel, I feel like that's well... Had some funny that's quotes well in there. Definitely yeah. got us. There were yeah. some very memorable scenes. Yeah. There were some memorable scenes. Some shit that I was just like, that's good. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that on I'm, people. I'm going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Underwater. This okay, was, I haven't seen this eh? one yet. Again, it was, it's, it a, it's like a sci-fi horror action B movie. Um, yeah, it's a, they describe it as a slick, efficient impressively intense piece it's efficient it's efficient 
Uh, <laughs> <huh>. <laughs> Ties up all ends. It's a matinee goodness that uh, delivers the goods and doesn't waste any time with boring subplots or pointless characters. Like uh, you that. might disagree, depending on how you feel about water creatures. And Kristen Stewart and a few co-workers, including T.J. Miller, who I like, uh, finds themselves trapped <laughs> in a facility deep, you guessed it, underwater, and must work together to escape before the whole place blows up. Also, there are sea monsters. Of course. So it's like two so movies the, in one. I was going to say, like, I get like These a people, crazy events happen yeah. when you're working on like they're a working, rig they're down working underwater. They're six like, miles underwater. That's more my speed. And then you add like the crazy but then sea there's creatures. Like, you're it's like, you're Armageddon lose and me. Abyss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's. You got my interest. It wasn't a bad How movie. are the sea creatures done? Like, is it done um, well? Scary? Or is it like... Were they crazy? On a scale from one to ten, I give them like a seven. Or is it like signs when it was like creepy until you saw the alien and then it like ruined no, it? No, no. It wasn't like signs where it was creepy until it was ruined. Like, no, you, you see them pretty clearly, pretty quickly. And like, no, no, it's pretty it's pretty intense. I'm into the creatures. I'll give it a try. Cool. And anything underwater does freak me out. It, it was okay. I mean, it was wa- okay. water scares me. I thought you were going to say anything. T.J. Miller freaks you out. I love T.J. Miller. (laughs) Can you find that friend for me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, meet me up back in 20 minutes. (laughs) How could you not like T.J. Miller? Let's talk about Come to Daddy. What is this one? Elijah Wood. (gasps) Everyone. uh, Love me some Elijah. Everyone likes Elijah. a horror movie? Elijah Wood is so rich. It has made so much money. (laughs) Yeah, From Lord of the Rings and, you know... Wilfred, so much Wilfred money. Wilfred? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's his name? Wilfred. Wilfred? Yeah. It's not Wilfred. It's not the Wilfred. show and Wilfred. The FX yeah. show about him and, oh, the, and the dog. I thought you were thinking of his name, and I'm like, that's not his name in Lord Frodo. of the Rings. I'm like, it's Frodo. <laughs> I'm like, Wilfred. Wilfred. Wilfred money. That like, FX Oh, that's cash. a good son movie. I'm like, I haven't seen Lord of the Rings in quite some time. The but good son was a horror movie. If you guys, that's son. one of his great that's horror movies. Up. I think that was uh, Macaulay's Macaulay, best movie ever. I agree. That was a fine job. That was a great movie. Yeah, good son. scary. Well, he also did a Come to Daddy this year. Was and, it scarier than the Good Son? Um, it wasn't. I don't know. We saw the Good Son as children. children. No, but it would yeah. still so it was, be creepy. Yeah, it, no, it, it would still be it would still be like intense, and there was some definitely crazy in t- intense parts to come to daddy. Okay, I mean, towards the end of the movie, Elijah Wood has a conversation with a guy who's missing a piece of his head, with like oh. with like brain exposed, and like it's oh Ooh. it's yeah it's gross. Oh, it's cool. We'll definitely have to check it out. We'll have to keep this one vague to protect the surprises. But suffice to say, the always cool Elijah Wood plays a strange man who goes to visit his estranged and truly miserable father. An event that kickstarts a series of revelations and violent altercations that you'll never see coming. Darkly funny and enjoyably unpredictable. It also features a wonderfully nasty turn by the great Stephen McGaddy. And um, I liked it. It's definitely worth watching. It was interesting. It was different. It's a horror movie. There are some twists and they're like, okay, you don't see that coming. And once it kind of like starts, it takes a while to like get it going. Almost kind of reminds you of tusk in the beginning how it's kind of where it's where it's like really cool beginning grabs you yeah and you're just kind of like whoa okay like Like, i don't know exactly what's happening yeah i'm not sure exactly what's happening i'm intrigued but yeah oh we gotta see this yeah yeah you'd like some you'd like some come to daddy uh (laughs) you watch anything interesting last night (laughs) oh man sure did we watched the platform last night yeah let's talk about the platform 
that was compared to these other movies. Now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, the platform was awesome. No, I don't have bad things to say about the platform. No. It was different. Out of these, it was the more like I said. You need to like mess with my head yes. to make me to for me to be like a horror movie yes. and that like this will mess with your head let me tell you i had some weird ass dreams yeah after that, this is sure. an intense ride this is like you uh prefaced this movie with subtitles and i was like all right it's I'm got gonna subtitles no, no no it doesn't it they dubbed it dubbed. over it's what? dubbed we watched on it on netflix, netflix i watched it on netflix it's been dubbed and i was gonna say this is the we didn't only read, movie there was not one subtitle on this list that i'm that i'm sure you can actually watch no on reading right it now. was just you could tell their mouths were speaking in a different they language. were speaking spanish couldn't tell I think what it's a, oh, i read that entire fucking movie i still loved it i'd watch it again if you no, can, yeah i think well, it's a spanish it up now, movie. but it's been dubbed over so they're speaking english and but that was the first thing we said we were like oh and he was like so their mouths aren't just so they're just it's just dubbed well the platform a man awakens in a cell with a stranger in their only sustenance arrives by way of a massive platform that arrives daily but there's not enough food for everyone in this facility this is a twilight zone level mind bender mixed with yeah. dark psychological horror full of pointed social commentary. Um, it's also just sort of a fun, weird movie. Too. It's a crazy, like, it's like just, futuristic prison that, like... But people are there voluntarily concept. sometimes. Like, I wanted to, like, and stop get, like, smoking. And like, afterwards. Like, like, I didn't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't just put, I didn't like, understand that. Like, it, like, it the wasn't... Smokes down? They didn't explain that. There wasn't simplicity no, of it where it's, like, a prison. It seemed like, it, at times, no. there was, like, a... It's a, like, a social, like, experiment... It seemed like it the would. way that I read that is that they use it as a prison, they use it as a college, they use it as a bunch of different things. But basically, the people go in and you spend a month on each floor. Is that what it is? You spend, yeah, you spend thirty days on a different floor, and you don't know which you one you're going to wake up on. Next, so certain, yeah. and you get the impression that if you're like after floor 50 you're not going to see you're even not the smallest scrap of food no, for 30 that, days that platform is completely so well, and that's clean. The people, is, people are start like, eating can their people roommates yeah. and like, on the higher level or on the like yes can people in the top tier share, share the wealth and keep people and you're like, not supposed like to in talk the outside above. world can we all like yeah. live in this world where we all help each other and make sure that all of the wealth is spread yeah. out amongst can all the of top us. 10 percent like share the wealth with like the, the rest for, the, for the greater down. for the greater good. By the time it gets down past, it had trickle, me though because down, imagine waking up and not knowing. That's the scariest part. You don't know who your cellmate's going to be, and you don't know they like that was put in a gas, yeah. and you just like wake up and you're either on level like five or six. Or that's like, like yeah, you know you high know up, you and you're going to get some good food for the next thirty or days, or you're three hundred or whatever. Where there's no however many ever. levels yeah. there are. That one's on Netflix. When that's I woke up, watch. I was like, "What level are we on?" <laughs> <laughs> are we going to eat two hundred and seventy-two again? Save me some breakfast. Oh, that's funny. Let's talk about a uh, color out of space. Nick Cage. Okay, what's, oh, that's the Nicolas Cage one. I Nicholas haven't seen Cage. this yet. Jolie Richardson and Tommy Chong plays a small part in it too. That's just crazy. Um, I wanted I would see to like it just this. for that alone. And, and, and I did. That's exactly that's what I did. Why. I was like, I'll check it out. This was such, they played on every cliche in the book. I mean, they played on um, meteor falling, 
and everything getting weird okay. where it lands. Um, don't drink the water. It's it, the weird, strange things are coming from the water. Okay. Um, they played, yeah, they played on. Those are already uh, two very different concepts, but okay. Alien visitation. There was like multiple, Checking multiple, all, like the boxes. all of these just like cliches, just like, like with one mashed like, together. Yeah. And if you pick one. You can't just throw like 10 in there. Like it's all of it. <laughs> yeah. It's just all of it. It's the scary movie of apocalypse movies. It, no, it wasn't an apocalypse movie. There were it was. Was it horror? There, yes, it was horror. It's like a sci-fi horror. Um, here's what I have to read about it. It's been a long time since we've had a damn good Lovecraft adaptation. And I wouldn't say this was one. Uh, here's one that would probably make director Stuart Gordon, the reanimator from Beyond, super proud. Um, it's about a seemingly normal American family that finds itself infected by a freaky meteorite. Director Richard Stanley and his collaborators managed to tap into the best aspects of Lovecraft's dark fiction while adding some excellent new touches of their own. Um, there were some crazy parts. There were some parts that like, I would just watch separately of the movie. It does turn like there's some really cool scenes. It's cool. Like the use of color um like okay. like shot wall yes like you know this like something's disturbing when the color pink is introduced okay and like all the plants and everything Love start that. turning pink I like that kind like, of idea. like that yeah. that that was pretty cool and and well done and there are some genuine parts where you just did not see that coming and like a door opens and you're just like what the fuck am i looking at oh like, i like that is this like surprise me like, like do something different and even the graphics weren't necessarily excellent the cgi was questionable it was just uh <laughs> there's still just some parts where it was like whoa wow cool <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> ah. yeah i'll still see it still still got to see it um so that's what we got so far in in, in 20 like kind of the best of of the mix that's what i want to bring to the table Seen all of those and like you they, know, they start they were... to beef up toward the end of the year around Halloween, but still, I, I haven't been all that impressed. I'm as, I'm besides... not completely impressed with 2020's crop so far. There's not crap out there. There has been some good stuff. There's some but good ones. To platform come. was great, I'm, but I'm it was a foreign ex- film. Yeah. Come on, let's get something domestic. I'm more excited about things to come. Let's turn it over to B and talk about some of the most anticipated horror movies to come out in 2020. Okay, so there are some good ones. Um, first off, this one totally creeped me out as a kid. I'm already scared for it to come back. Candyman. I was hoping you were going Ugh. to start with Candyman. That one did it for me. Like I remember being real creeped out by that. Jordan Peele's producing. Yes. The, the, no way. The yeah, director Nia DaCosta and screenplay like and not produced by Jordan Peele mm. as well. So excited for that. Yep. Um, Okay, so in present day, a decade after the last of the Cabrini Towers were torn down, Anthony and his girlfriend moved into a loft in the now gentrified Cabrini. A chance encounter with an old timer exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman. Mm. Anxious to use these macabre details in his studio as fresh grist for his paintings, he unknowingly opens a door to a complex past and unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence. Into it. Sign me up. Be awesome. They had like the perfect guy for Candyman originally. So yes. I hope that that Even happens. Even just the voice. Yes. No, it does. He's coming back. Oh, and, like, same guy. Yeah, same Good. guy. Good. Yeah. I love that. That is the best. Like use the people that just like, oh, 
they're call, it. They're calling it a if spiritual sequel. If it would use Tim Curry, then Exa- it would have been a That hit. was exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. 100%. Like, I would have liked you know, everything. You know what was missing? The voice. And yeah. Like, yeah, it was that original feeling. That's why I'm glad Candyman, like, he made a big difference for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely excited. I think that comes out June 12th. So okay. get excited. Bumped. Um, an interesting one. This comes out what, September 25th. And most of these I know are all kind of to be determined because everything yeah, there's thrown a couple. off by the virus. There's like four that I have that actually have dates. Yeah. Even that, but That's yeah, good. most of Tentative these are release dates. Most exactly. of these are to be determined for sure. It's just supposed to be 2020. Um, but this one is last night in Soho heard about this this seems interesting yeah so this is a young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol a dazzling wannabe singer but 1960s london is not what it seems and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences so like time travel it's like different than what you expect yeah i mean i'm kind of intrigued again that's all like we kind of know about it i know last night and so that's a cool yeah. title for it's cool yeah and fashion design girl like i'm just interested to see where they kind of take the story and that's what's one, happening that's in one London i need to like, hear something about it first yeah, like I someone a needs a good to tell recommendation me yeah. for sure but i mean again i like like a different kind of concept and i'm interested in time travel pieces sometimes so i feel like that could be good um, of course, a new Halloween. Halloween kills. Halloween kills <laughs> comes out um, October sixteenth. This is the tenth one. I believe this is the twelfth installment of number the Halloween 12. franchise. Lucky number twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, okay. So I just had to say, it's written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and mm-hmm. Scott Team. So interesting yeah. that Danny McBride had a hand in this. That's cool. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is back to, you know, reprise their role. Um, Judy Kyle Greer's Richards, Judy Greer. Yeah. There's like, they're bringing back all the originals for this one. So this is going to be one to see. Yeah, I think. Awesome. Well, they're making like a sequel to last year's Halloween with Jamie right. Lee Curtis. and um, Oh, and Tyler, I know you're going to be excited because Anthony Michael Hall will also be joining, <gasps> which is one of your favorites. <laughs> Ross. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is a Blumhouse production produced by Jason Blum, so That's you know nice it's going to be good. That's it's nice got a good team. team with Danny McBride. Like, I'm just interested to see how they do it. I don't I see all of the Halloweens, but like, I'll see, I like to see this what he one. Does with some horror. I'll He's, see this one. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, Army of the Dead. This looks cool. This comes out winter 2020. Mm-hmm. This stars Dave Bautista. Sweet. Yep. So I know Tyler, you like of that too. WWE fan. Yes, which actually I thought he was like a great actor. I think we saw him in you know another Stuber. movie. Stuber. Yeah, we've seen him right? in a few things. Yeah, he was in Stuber. Okay, Most and recently. I don't know Stuber's how right? like serious this is gonna be, but it, yeah, it's set in the aftermath of a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas and follows a group of mercenaries taking the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. So I don't know if this is like it's probably gonna have like some laughs, but might be like have its crazy moments. It's yeah. probably gonna be shot well. And, it will yeah. be shot well. Zack Snyder's doing it, the guy that did Justice League. So and so it'll have like we'll see how like much of a horror flick it is, but I think it'll be like it'll look cool. It will look cool. And it'll no probably doubt about have that. some fun. That's worth seeing. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I know a lot of people are excited about A Quiet Place too. I'm excited about A Quiet Place. I we didn't don't have see any... A Quiet Place one. Are you shitting me? No. Where I have you like, been? Yes, we did. What the hell's the matter with you? I think it was so quiet I passed out. <laughs> that might have happened. <laughs> Emily Blunt, You're John being Krasinski. Ridiculous. I and John Krasinski like direct like I love them and I thought they did a great yeah. job with the first one. You got to see that. It's good. Least again. I got to see it in the morning. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. It's good. It, I mean, but again, it was like different. I like a different. good different yeah. concept. I'm pumped for the sequel. I liked, yeah. I liked the first one a lot. Creepy? Yeah, it was creepy. Creepy. The Definitely. Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. Wow. So there's more than just like the creatures that hunt on sound. So... I mean, again, it's I like something different that brings something new to the table, and it was pretty like suspenseful. And for really, you have to do a good job with being silent the entire movie. Like I think yeah. they did a really good job. They did a good job keeping that going. They had noise though and stuff, and there was the monster. And they like, just couldn't heard, talk. They just couldn't talk. Yeah, they had to be quiet in a lot of scenes. It's a quiet place. <laughs> A little too quiet for Tyler. <laughs> turn it up place. just a little bit. Um, so this one, Antebellum. Okay. Um, this is the producer of Get Out, which yeah. was amazing. Yes. Um, stars Janelle Monet, uh, who I love. Get Out, which is why they're using yes. her for sure. So I'm already excited hearing that. Um, let's see. A successful author finds herself in a horrifying reality and must figure out the mystery behind it before it's too late. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know a whole lot about it. But I like the Us, and get, although I wasn't a big fan of Us, I thought that was. I actually don't know if I ever saw Us, was, but I did see Get Out, and that was like whoa. Get, get Out yeah. was really good, was good. Whoa. really different, really good. I was into that. It deserved the praise. Us did not, did not deserve the praise it got when it came out. Well, we'll see what Annabelle brings. We'll see Blair. I'll definitely give it a chance. <laughs> we'll see Blair. Oh, we'll see oh, we'll Blair. See. <laughs> you bring your notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I'm definitely going to give it a chance. Um, another one I definitely got to see just because Run, starring yep. Sarah Paulson. So Sarah Paulson. I got to see it. Uh, this one, a homeschooled teenager who uses a wheelchair begins to suspect that her overprotective mother is keeping a dark, sinister secret from her. Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> this is almost giving me the vibes with uh, that Gypsy Rose kind of situation. Yeah. Like, I don't know this story yet, but that was like the first thing I thought about. I was like, oh, is see this that. girl just getting tortured and is already like going through so much? Like, it's going to be a thinker. We'll see how it develops. Ten bucks says it's a thinker. Yeah, I agree. Real psychological thriller. I agree. It's a, it's a good fit for it, you know? Okay, so this one's interesting. Spiral. I hoped you were going to talk about Spiral. From the book of Saw. Chris Rock. Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson. Wait, wait, definitely wait, wait, wait. have what? to see it. Yeah. He's like, make, he wrote a new Saw movie. What? Yeah, yeah. Everyone thought it was a joke. That like, they come out with a new this one. Is, he helped develop it and he's starring in it. Everyone thought it was like a joke that like Lionsgate was putting out. That's amazing. And like, no, no, it's it's very, it's very real. It's very real. It's like a, a horror film. Lion- Is he in it too? Oh, oh he's yeah. In it. Lionsgate's in officially it. released. Um, they're working in the shadow of an esteemed police veteran, which is Samuel L. Jackson, a brash detective, Ezekiel Zeke Banks, Chris Rock, and his rookie partner, William Shank take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. 
Unwittingly trapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. Zeke Banks is a cool name. Zeke Banks. Cool. I like it. That's a cool name. This I'm just cool. glad to see Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson together. Yeah, I that mean, could be cool. The Saw movies actually do like mess with me quite a bit, which I do yeah. like. Like they, there's been like 12 of them. I feel also, but like, and they brought back the same director that did the second, third, and fourth one. The same. See, the same and I did like. Did I mean, movies. I like. They're all like different enough where I'm like, I'm intrigued, and it's yeah. I was like, into it. Always... I was into it for a while. I even went and saw the 3D one in the theater. Saw 3D. Saw 3D. It was. Oh yeah. Did the blood hit you in the face? It was an experience. Um, <laughs> and then Jigsaw, they came out. I didn't see that in the theater. See, there was, again, like, so many. But they're bringing the so big many. guns for bring, this one. Like, Chris Rock was like, yeah, let's bring it back. I got a way to do it. And, like, they were like, I'm into it. Like, if you're serious, okay. like, we're yeah. so into it. They made it. The last one I have here is Antlers. Antlers. Um, starring Ooh. Carrie Russell. Um, a mysterious creature escapes from its confines to wreak bloody havoc in a small Oregon town. Mm. So small town horror. The movie poster alone looks really interesting for Antlers. I'm I'm excited to see a trailer for it. Like we don't have enough for like a premise and yeah. there, there's not enough info on it to like get excited. But, but I kind of like some of those movies like where cool. I don't know anything. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, what the fuck? I had no idea what to expect. And it's that gotta, just like hit me in the face. It's got to be a thing. Antlers. Is that a proper fear for people? Because they gross me out. Antlers, I mean, ant- they're antlers. sharp, they're big, they're, they're scary. Pointy. They're pointy. They're like weapons, but they fall off sometimes. It's weird. Especially if it's on a yeah. different creature that we don't know yet. Yeah. You know, mm, that could be scary. Ooh, like yeah. a man with antlers? I mean, I don't know about a man, but it Mantlers. could be like a... If you put... Mantlers. <laughs> you put antlers on a... Well, now that's all I'm thinking. It's like... They should have just renamed it Mantlers. If you put uh, antlers on a rabbit, it's a jackalope. Jackalope, yeah. So if you put antlers on Which shit, like it makes it totally rabbit. different. It does. Extra scary. I'm thinking of like a centaur with like... Mantlers? Mantlers. <gasps> Half bowl. We're going to be so Half far off. I can't antlers. wait till this comes out. <laughs> Fun to speculate. Yeah. We did a little uh, mid-season horror, you guys. We got to. We had to yeah. knock out some, some horror. 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 Can't save it all for Crunchtober. I know. This has been another episode of Something Crunchy. Yes. Don't ever forget to live your crunchiest life. Be crunchy to one another. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and all that crunchy good shit. Thank you for listening. There's 300 levels, but by the time it gets past 50, there's zero left. So You're not supposed to know that, bro. Oh, well, cut that then. Cut. <laughs> cut it. Just cut. <laughs> <laughs>